0: Listening to Songbones Podcast, where we get to the real and go to the deep with grassroots singer songwriters. I'm Michelle McAfee. The first time I asked Mikey Stevens if I could have him on Songbones Podcast, he said no. I knew Mikey well enough to know that he just might warm up to the idea in time. Mikey has a quiet confidence, slightly shy, and doesn't like to go on about himself. In Southern Oregon or Northern California, if you're a musician, a songwriter, or have a band, you've likely played with Mikey Stevens. At a festival somewhere, some summer, you might have heard a trumpet solo ripple out across the place that made you wonder if you accidentally dropped acid and were hearing Miles Davis blow the horn, but not exactly. Mikey has his own style of making the trumpet sing, of putting tasty guitar licks exactly where they need to be with not one note extra. Mikey plays the space between. When I walked into his home in Southern Oregon to ask him about his life, he said, wait, wait, listen to this. And he played me a handful of original songs written and recorded by Mikey Stevens. Every instrument played by Mikey. This was shocking to me. I've known the man 10 years and never once did he tell me he wrote his own songs. Welcome to episode 10. You said those songs were personal Like, I totally get that being a songwriter. Right. And it's it can be really vulnerable Mm -hmm. Um, on the West Coast and in Oregon. You're so well known as, you know, a guitar player and a trumpet player playing with all these other artists, not sharing the songs that you wrote for yourself. Was that a way to, like, keep a part of you for you?
1: No, it's, it's more that I've, um, it seems like I've had, uh, compartments in my life where, you know, I, I did this and now that's over and now I do this and then that was over and then I did something else. And they, um, I, I've, I've never been that person that wanted to like stand up and crow about what I've done. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit now because um, I want everybody to know that I'm more than just a pretty face, you know. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. And you are a pretty face. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. So that, that's basically it. You know, it was, a, it was a point in time in my life. It happened. Uh, there's been many. Uh, you're, you're officially talking to the luckiest man that's ever lived. So... Um,
0: Your attitude, always, since I've always known you, has been amazing. There were times where if I would get down and out or whatever, I'd be like, how would Mikey handle this? You know, (laughs) okay, it's not that bad. You always say that. I'm so lucky. and I love that. I think that that rubs off on people around you, just that positivity. And I've known you to not be afraid to tell it like it is, you know. And with that positive attitude, it's just, it's a powerful thing. You said you had a hundred dollar casio
1: oh no yeah and, it well, actually it was a yamaha but i, oh, I had a hundred dollar okay. keyboard a hundred dollar microphone hundred dollar guitar um and a four-track sony mini disc player and and my uh trumpet and,
0: and you would just set up in the applegate lodge like after sh- Shows no, or I, I, I actually had a, a
1: small studio up, up at my house. Oh, you did? Um, okay. Yeah, and, and, you know, just with that stuff, basically. And and a lot of times I would go down there first thing in the morning before I was awake and see what happened. And
0: I like what happened. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks. Well, it's interesting about, you know, I I had all this stuff in storage for a lot of years, and I thought it was all lost. So when I when I was just going through boxes of stuff, it was like, oh, whoa, here's here's my past in a, in a, in a six by eight box. Yeah. <laughs> a little little, little segment of, of my lucky life. And uh, so I pulled them back out and tried uh, three or four mini disc players and out of three or four of them, uh, I found one that worked. <laughs> nice,
0: they still play. <laughs> they still play,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: So that song, uh, When Katie Smiles,
1: yeah.
0: how did that song come about?
1: Well, um, I had a, a, a gig over at the Oregon coast and uh, set up for the gig. Uh, it was a very good band um, and big club full of people, big dance floor. And uh, this woman walked in and she was cute. She had a a very pronounced limp, um, and she uh, proceeded to dance with uh, every guy in the place at some point in time and smile. She always had this wonderful smile on her face, and um, so she um, danced the entire night, pretty much every guy that was there, and uh, never looked at me. And
0: And you were on stage I was on
1: stage trying my best to get this girl to look at me. (laughs) Couldn't do it. So I I felt a little dejected. And uh, I was packing up my stuff at the end of the night, and the place had pretty much emptied out, except for her. She was still sitting at the bar. And I had my back to to her, packing some things up, and she walked up to the stage and she said, "Uh, I have a Billie Holiday album at home if you'd like to go listen to it with me. And I was like, hell yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I still got it. (laughs) And uh, so anyway, um, I I ended up driving her to her place. And uh, just before she put the key in the door, she turned around to look at me and said, oh, by the way, I don't have a record player. (laughs) (laughs) nice so anyway we we proceeded to uh to go in and sit and talk and talk and talk and talk until the sun came up and and had a wonderful evening and I I found out all about her and and uh, her life and all of the things that she had had and then lost and uh, I learned a lot about handling life that night Uh, Mm. so yeah
0: I love that about songwriting how it doesn't take like five years of a story to make a song, you know, like you, you can have a song that is just indelible and, and big and just seems to encompass a part of your life that goes for the rest of your life that maybe only happened in a day or in a moment or a look. But I don't know. I think that's the power of music and art in general we're so busy in the mundane doing all these things that we, we sometimes don't stop to register the enormity of these tiny moments in life. And I think music does that. It stops. Stops you for a moment and like encapsulates it.
1: Yeah, it's true. You can, I can almost remember every instance in my life where I heard a song and it was, bam, just an instant. That moment is captured in time forever in my brain. I know where I was, what I was doing when I heard that song. I think that goes for a lot of people.
0: Were you writing songs when you were younger or did that come about later no, in life?
1: No, that was that was a spurt. I, I had never written a song. I just, they started coming out of me so I had the ability to push the button and make them so that I wouldn't forget them tomorrow. <laughs>
0: well, I'm certainly <laughs> glad you pushed those buttons. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that actually, that particular song I had tried to write for a long time. Um, and the way I was going about it was the the, the opening line of the melody, do-do-do-do, was when Katie smiles, her little smile. And I wanted to start the song like that, and I, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't make the song work. And I, I went over and over and over. And I went to my my good friend Jeff Norton, who's a songwriter also, and, and I told him, I said, you know, I've, I've been writing a few songs lately, and... I said, I got this thing that I want to do, but I, 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 it won't come out, and he uh, he asked me, uh, he said, well, what's it called? And I said, when Katie smiles, and he goes, well, what does Katie do? And I went, hmm, I don't know, mostly she sits alone on a beach she calls home and watches the stars fall into the sea mm-hmm. and thinks of things and blah, 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 and the The song just came out of me. (laughs) Which was pretty cool. I got a pencil and a paper and I just wrote it down. Wow. So
0: that's so cool. (laughs) Songs are magic that way. Yeah. You know how sometimes it takes like the mind tells you it's in this fortress. You know it's in there. (laughs) And it's this steel fortress, and you're like looking through these dozens of keys, trying to open the right door to this fortress to get to the song. And it isn't that at all, you know. Sometimes it's just like trying too hard, looking too much at it. It just takes someone pulling the lens back and going, "Oh, what about this?" <laughs> yeah, that's a cool cool thing about the process.
2: sits alone on a beach she calls home and watches the stars fall into the sea and thinks of things that might have been, things that will never be, and then she smiles, her little smile. Shows the wisdom of her years. Cause when Katie smiles, her little smile holds back oceans of
3: tears.
2: Now, the cards that Fate has dealt haven't all been aces and through it all just to survive she's given up so many things and then she smiles her little smile It shows she's richer than I'll ever be cause when Katie smiles a little smile. It's worth more than gold.
1: We all have a choice
2: Do you want to live life to its fullest or just work and work for more and more things Don't make the mistake that so many others have Live your life for today and just see what kind of happiness it brings And any chance you get to smile bring you wealth beyond belief Cause when Katie smiles, her little smile It means
0: everything You started out then as an instrumentalist, then not as a songwriter. Was trumpet your first instrument? No. Um,
1: probably. I, I, I have memories of of sitting on my grandfather's knee when when I was about probably about three years old, and uh, my grandfather played the tenor banjo, and um, they would have dances on the weekends, and and Grandpa was always in the band, and he was. Always smiling and laughing and making train whistle sounds and and uh, making people happy and uh, and so he would bring me to the gigs and set me on the on his lap between him and the banjo and he'd play the banjo and I'd sit there and watch all these ladies come up and give them kisses and I thought hey this is a pretty good gig <laughs> I think I want to do that right <laughs> so um, that's you know I started. Probably uh, with that instrument, I, I remember somebody giving me a tenor guitar at one time um, uh, when I was very young, uh, but, but mainly I started when my mom started giving me piano lessons when I was young, and uh, I took them for many years. Uh, actually got pretty good at it, but I didn't like it because I had a teacher that Used to slap my fingers with a ruler when I'd make mistakes. Oh no way! And uh, I didn't think that was right, and I didn't think that was any way to to have to learn music as a painful experience. So um, when I got to be a teenager, I I had I, I got up the courage to go to my mom and dad and say I I don't want to take piano lessons anymore. I want to play the trumpet, and I don't even know why I said trumpet because I really I have no idea. I could have said any instrument at all. I just wanted out of piano lessons mm-hmm. and trumpet came out of my mouth and somebody uh I think it was probably my dad who looked at me and said, "Okay, well, get a job, get some money and get a trumpet." And so I did. That's I wanted to be playing the trumpet in the in junior high band.
0: Mm-hmm. Good choice, Mikey. Yeah,
1: I am <laughs> I was kind of glad I didn't say tuba. Uh-huh. <laughs> as a side note, when I was in the hospital, they, on my chart they have me down as a professional tuba player. You <laughs> <saying>? <laughs> yeah. And you just let them believe it, right? <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, I'm really good at it. <laughs>
0: Are there professional tuba players? Oh, yeah. Is there such a thing? Oh, okay. you bet. Just checking.
1: Yeah, they're still playing out there strong.
0: (laughs) Right on. Cool.
1: That was my upbringing also. I got to, uh, it was my first experience with big bands because I got pretty good at the trumpet pretty fast, so I got to go play with all these old guys in a band called the Commodores, which was, uh, you know, we did uh, social events, uh, but it was like a, you know, maybe like a 12-piece big band doing all the old big band charts and stuff like that. So that's that's where I, that's kind of where I got my interest in that.
0: Is that so. the same Commodores? No, no. Okay. No, just for clarity. Just,
1: it, yeah, no, yeah. it was.
0: Uh, Too bad for them.
1: Bunch of old guys in northern Wisconsin.
0: Yeah. Right on. Is that where you grew up? <laughs> yeah. Wisconsin. Okay, I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. So I I remember you telling me a story one time about a van full of musicians. And a frozen trumpet
1: <laughs> yeah I um, uh, a, a lot of strange things have happened in my life a lot of coincidences hmm maybe maybe not um, but uh, uh, one of my heroes uh, as, a, as a young trumpet player was uh, a, a guy named Bill Chase and uh, he actually started a, a band called Chase uh, that uh, in the early 70s uh, had uh, some number one hits on the radio and uh, were becoming famous and you'd hear them on the radio all the time. And the, and the, the band was basically, uh, if you could think of uh, uh, Chicago, Blood, Sweat and Tears meets uh, Jimi Hendrix and, Ooh, yeah uh, loud and hard rock and jazz fusion and they combined all of these different elements and uh, so the day that the album came out I went and got it and i I played it until it bled and uh, <laughs> i I used to uh, I used to sit out in uh, we had a cottage on the lake up in northern Wisconsin it was a private lake it was my cottage and, or our cottage my my parents' cottage and uh, my grandparents' cottage, and nobody else. And so we had this lake to ourselves. And, and a lot of times, as a, a, a teenager, I, I just stayed out there. You know, I'd live out there in the summertime. And after uh, in the evenings, I'd take my stereo speakers and put them in the windows and then go lay in the canoe out in the middle of the lake where it had the best echo in the world.
3: Awesome. And I
1: put these albums on, and I just learned every note of every song on the entire album. Wow. And uh, so uh, one day uh, I heard that they were playing uh, about 90 miles from where I lived, and it was wintertime in Wisconsin, and it was very, very cold and very snowy, and I decided that I was going to hitchhike. The 90 miles to go see them play. And uh, so I'm standing on the highway with my trumpet case in one hand and this big long overcoat that wasn't warm enough. And I'm freezing and hitchhiking. And I've been there maybe 15 minutes and this big passenger van pulls up. Door opens and I jump in and. I look up and here it's three of the trumpet players from the band Chase, and uh, you know a couple of the other musicians, and so I don't say anything. I just I know who they are, and I'm thrilled (laughs) that like whoa, how did this happen? Awesome. So I'm shivering and freezing, and one of the guys uh, asked me what's in the case, and I said a trumpet. And he goes, oh, you, you play the trumpet? I said, yeah, a little bit. And uh, he said, well, well, play us something. And so I opened my horn up and um, pulled it out, and the valves were stuck because it was frozen, and so I had to put it under my armpit for a while, thaw <laughs> it out. <laughs> Finally got the valves working and the thing, and I put this ice-cold horn up to my face, and I played... Bill's, one of Bill Chase's openings to one of his songs, which was, uh, it's, it's pretty hard. It's a, you know, it's, it's, it, it ain't Mary had a little lamb. And, uh, the, the, the jaws on everybody's in the van dropped to the floor. And, and then I took my horn down and I went, ha I know who you guys are. <laughs> I'm going to see you. <laughs> and, uh, so anyway um we talked a lot on the on the 90 mile trip and and uh when we got to the gig they were there for the sound check and when uh the rest of the band flew and uh when uh when bill got there the all the guys that were with me and the, his, his horn players uh came up to him and said bill this this is mikey stevens and you need to uh you need to hear this kid play. In fact, you should just let this kid play with us tonight. And Bill got this wow. weird look on his face and and they all just went, Bill, trust us, this kid should play with us tonight. And so I did. I got you to did? I got to play with my heroes and
0: Wow, that's so cool.
1: <laughs> and it was really fun. <laughs>
0: like no rehearsal with the band. Just No,
1: I knew I knew every song on the album wow. and I knew That's fantastic. Know, I knew how to play music, so that's, wow. that's probably the important thing. You know. Once, once you know how to play music, the instrument doesn't matter. Huh. You just have to figure out how to touch it to make it do what you want it to do.
0: the throes like I've just I've, I've watched you play solos before that are just like incredible to me and, and when you're in the throes of it it's like I forget where I am I'm sure the rest of the crowd forgets where they are is it something that do you forget time and space does it move through you in a way that you are not separate from your instrument when you're at, in those moments soloing or you know when you're when you're really in it and you're just you're just there is it are, is there a consciousness like are you conscious Do you know the notes you're playing is it is, are there technicalities happening in your mind or no what's it feel like
1: it's just it's You have to turn it over to your heart and play from your heart and don't try to impress people just play play what comes out don't say oh look look what I can do and that you know that's that's the mistake that I see way too many musicians making it's like yeah everybody's got chops you know and everybody can play a million miles an hour but if you open it up to what the essence of music is to me is is it's coming from the heart it's coming from inside you and the physical part of it is all just you know that's stuff anybody can learn a monkey can learn how to do that mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so that's all I, I i don't i very rarely think i i, I don't know what i'm going to do 2 seconds before i do it um, you know I, th- there's there's some kind of obvious rules of soloing that apply you know you don't want to you know you, you, you want it to go somewhere you, you don't want it to fizzle out <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so so that's, that's I'm consciously that's always in my mind but that's also always dictated by the people behind you mm-hmm. because it what i do depends on what they do Mm -hmm. and so if you have a band that's backing you up that maybe in your mind you want to go somewhere and they don't go there then you can't go there and vice versa if you know if they want you to go here and they're pushing you here and you're not ready to go there yet so so that's you know that's the dance of music that's where that's where people need to understand and and too many people don't you know Mm -hmm. i've spent my most of my adult life preaching dynamics and, and people don't get it. They just don't get it. They think, oh yeah, well I was I was, I was soft a little while ago. Now I can be loud, Mm -hmm. but there's a whole world in between, you know, there's dynamics within one word. There's dynamics within one note. Mm -hmm. Um, and also, you know, I, I had some wonderful musical mentors when I was young and, and they taught me the, The importance of space and silence and you know i i feel like that's every bit as important as a thousand notes Mm
0: -hmm. that really comes through in your playing like you were the one who taught me how to use space as a note you know you it's has equal weight Mm -hmm. to notes equal weight to words equal weight to anything you play I was listening. <laughs> yeah, you did. You taught me that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, is it ever terrifying? You know, like, I don't, I don't know. I guess I'm fascinated, like, with jazz players and people like yourself who can play with big band or who improv a lot, who can just solo and and not know what you're going to play two seconds before you play it. And to me... I can't think of anything more terrifying because I have to work parts out and rehearse and know what I'm gonna do and I just never learned the art of improv myself as a musician. Is it terrifying to not know what you're gonna play two seconds before you play it? No. 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 That's so cool.
1: And and I've also never been terrified of playing. Hmm. I've never been afraid in any circumstance. Uh, It's just what I've always done. Mm. Um, and you know when you're just doing what you do it's it's not remarkable it's just what you do
0: I realized during this interview that I played music with this man for 10 years and knew nothing of his previous life Mikey has a lot to tell In the next episode, you'll hear about a show he played that is nearly every musician's dream. You'll hear about the abrupt turn Mikey's life took two years ago and how he has navigated a difficult, complete change of course. Head over to our Spotlight page at songbones.com for more on Mikey Stevens, where you can also listen to all of his original songs recorded on the $100 keyboard and the $100 guitar. You can't hear them anywhere else except maybe in Mikey's living room. Thanks for hanging out with us and listening to episode 10 of Songbones podcast. You can subscribe to Songbones on Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like our podcast, please leave us a review and click the like button. A simple click from you makes a huge difference in the world of podcasting. You can also support Songbones podcast on Patreon. See you next month.